Alright guys, welcome back to Revive School. Lesson 55, Ezekiel 4 and 5. Kevin, can you go to the Kings and Prophets slide? Here, here's, here's where we're at. Okay, we've had Isaiah prophesying about the Babylonian captivity, mentioning the Assyrian battles as well. And then you have Jeremiah who's prophesying about the captivity and he experiences it. Then he, he laments and lamentations. And then in the major prophets, as we're continuing our study in the book of Ezekiel, that's where we're at today. Uh, here you have Ezekiel in the middle of it. Like, this is the first time we have a prophet sitting in the middle of exile. Fifth year. He's 30 years old now. He's five years into this. He's got a call on his life to be a priest and a prophet. And oh, by the way, uh, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to like you, but you have to do it anyway. You're going to be a messenger. You're going to suffer in the process. You're going to be a watchman on the wall. And your life is going to serve as a sign for people. And I like that his life is going to serve as a sign for people because when you get into Ezekiel 4, it's, I don't even fathom this actually. In Ezekiel 4, look, do you remember when Isaiah, in Isaiah 20, he was naked for three years, buck naked and barefoot, no sandals, nothing. This is as extreme as that. In Ezekiel 4 verse 1, watch this. This is so crazy. Now, you son of man, take a brick. I want you to set it in front of you and I want you to draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Okay, it's kind of like, you know, you got everybody around you, you got the sand there and you're drawing in the sand. Like you're supposed to draw, okay, Jerusalem. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take a brick. I want you to draw out the city of Jerusalem. So he must have been a pretty good drawer. If not, he's probably like me, you know. I want you to draw Jerusalem. Okay, that's pretty good. Right, Rich? That's actually not bad. Western Wall, Southern David, you know, okay. Okay, anyway. Then here's what I want you to do. Then they're going to lay siege against it in verse 2, okay? They're going to lay, then lead siege against it, construct a siege wall, build a ramp, pitch military camps, and a place battering rams against it on all sides. In verse 3, take an iron plate, set it up as an iron wall between yourself and the city. Turn your face toward it so that it is under siege and besiege it. This will be a sign for the house of Israel. You know what he's supposed to do? Get your G.I. Joes. Get them all together. Die! Like, this is what he's supposed to do. Do you understand? Like, this is, he's supposed to reenact and draw out the destruction that's going to happen. It's kind of like a diorama in the shoebox, except it's with a brick. I didn't learn about dioramas. Diorama? <laughs> Here's the point. He's supposed to actually show them, like, this is going to take place. Hmm. I would have been like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> and then, okay, after you've done this, okay, so he's already walking through this process of like destruction is coming. Kevin, to where? To Jerusalem. To Jerusalem. Then he says, here's what I want you to do. Ezekiel, I want you to lie down on your left side. I want you to place the iniquity of the house of Israel on it, okay? You will, so like literally lay on your left side, place the iniquity of the house of Israel on it, okay? So you're laying on it. You'll bear their iniquity for the number of days you lie on your side. So, so you're going to bear the iniquity for, for how long? It says, for I've assigned you the years of their iniquity according to the number of days you lie down. 390 days. So you will bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. 
Okay, he just got done playing G.I. Joe. He just got done crashing and destroying everything in Jerusalem. And now he says, I need you to lay down for 390 days on your side because that will represent the... Kevin, what will that represent? The long, how long... Go back to verse 4. How long the... You will bear their iniquity for the number of days you lie on your side. 390, Okay. Uh, did he did he just get told to lay on his side for 390 days? That's what it looks like. And then he says, for I've assigned you. Go, go to verse 6. Then lie down. Then he says, okay, once you've completed these days. So, like, I need you to actually lay on your left side for 390 days. That's called massive bed source, by the way. Okay. Lie down again. But on your right side. Oh, okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. So the left side was for who, Kevin? Israel. The house of Israel. And on the right side is for the house of Judah. I have assigned you 40 days. Oh, well, it's not as bad. I've assigned you 40 days, a day for each, oh, a day for each year. Well, this isn't very encouraging. And then he says in verse 7 and 8, you must turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, which with your arm bared and prophesy against it. Verse 8, look at this. Be aware that I put cords on you so that you cannot turn from side to side until you finish the days of your siege. Uh, so you, you know what that means, right? Uh, you're going to be bound up so that you don't move, so that you don't wiggle. Well, I got an itch. <laughs> and then in verse 9, what you begin to see is, is really 9 through 17, is that there's going to be a picture of famine in the city. You're going to combine three grains, wheat, barley, and spelt, and two vegetables, Okay, beans and lentils. You're going to grind them into flour, bake bread. You're going to have the poorest kind of bread. Is what you're going to see in 9 through 17. Wiersbe then says, sometimes Jews would have cooked over fires, okay, made, ready from this, over cow dung uh, mixed with straw because they didn't have enough to afford. So they'd light up cow dung on fire in order to make this food. Like this is literally the poorest of the poor. And by the way, as you're doing this, Ezekiel, um, you can only eat eight ounces of bread a day and drink two thirds quarts of water. And you have to do this the whole time. The whole time. 390 days on your left side, 440 days on your right side. And by the way, you're going to eat a lot of food that's mm. not the greatest. And oh, by the way, you're going to be bound up in the process. Kevin, what do you think's worse? Naked for three years or, or lying on your left side for 390 days? I'm going with the 390. Really? You think that's worse? Because at least you could run around and be free. <laughs> Let's just say this. Both of them are going to be hard. I can't imagine being naked for three years. Or Can you imagine laying on your left side? 390 days? You guys, 365 days is a year. So you got to lay for a year and what? A long time. A year and a month. All of this is to tell them you are sinners. Right? That's real. So here's the question. Why 390? Why 390? Okay. Well, I want to walk through Warren Wearsby's theory, thought process on maybe why 390 years, okay? Maybe. Uh, first of all, the 390 year period, okay, began with Solomon's son, Rehoboam, who became king in 930, okay? First uh, Kings 14, 21. Now, when you add all of the years, okay, just, just humor me for a second, okay? When you add all of the years of the reigns of the kings of Judah from Rehoboam, okay, from Rehoboam to Zedekiah, okay? Some would say it came to a total of 394 years. Okay. Since, uh, during the three of the years of his reign, Rehoboam walked with the Lord, 
we end up with a number very close to Ezekiel's 390 years. So maybe if you add all of these with an exception of three years that somebody was actually walking with the Lord, maybe there was that time period of sinfulness. Again, can you 100% prove it? No, but it, it kind of makes sense. So I need you to lay on your side, lay on your side, and the whole purpose is so that they understand that judgment is coming because of your sinfulness. So that, my friends, is Ezekiel 4. And that's just the fun message. When you get into Ezekiel 5, you guys, it gets even more weird. All right, so Kevin, let's back up for a second, okay? We've got a prophet here, okay? We've got a prophet, Ezekiel. He gets this crazy vision of the Lord of four living creatures, four faces. The wheels are spinning, right? The presence of the Lord is there on a throne. And the next thing you know, he's told, like, you're supposed to go to these people. They're not even going to receive you. By the way, can you eat a scroll in the process? And the scroll is saying, I need you to be a messenger. I need you to be a watchman. You're going to suffer and you're going to serve as a sign. And oh, by the way, in the process, in this time frame, not only are you going to deliver the word, you got to actually act it out. And now you have to act it out and lay there and let everybody, I'm laying here because of your sin. I'm laying on my right side, house of Judah, because of your sin. And now he says in Ezekiel 5, um, I want to tell you a little bit more about what's coming. He says, now you, son of man, this is Ezekiel, take a sharp sword. (laughs) Use it as you would a barber's razor and shave your head and your beard. Okay. Then I want you to do is take a pair of scales and I need you to divide the hair from your head and your beard. And I need you to put it on the scales. Here's what you're supposed to do with the hair from your beard and your head. So now he's completely bald. At least he's got eyebrows, right? I mean, that's kind of the picture here. So here comes the pictures. Here comes the drawings. Hey, guys, I hope you guys are excited. You are to burn up a third of it in the city when the days of the siege have ended. So a third of what, Kevin? A third of his hair. A third of the, the beard hair, okay? Uh, and a third of his head hair, okay? It serves as, uh, let's just say the siege, right? The siege brick, okay? That's going to represent a third of that, okay? Then it says, you are to take a third and slash it with a sword all around the city. Let's just make sure everybody understands this. <laughs> There is going to be a third of the hair, okay, is going to be burned up in the city when the days of the siege have ended. So a third of his hair is going to be burned up, right, Kevin? It's uh, not a very fun smell. And that's a horrible smell. If you're grilled and you caught your knuckle hair on fire or your arm hair on fire and you're like, oh, oh. now you have to burn a third of your hair and then you're going to put it in the city. Then you're going to take another third and then you're going to just slash it with the sword all around the city. Dude, what is wrong with that guy? This guy is strange, but it's it's from the Lord. That's the beauty of this whole thing. You're going to burn a third of your hair, letting them know, by the way, the siege has ended, and but yet the city's coming to destruction. Then you're going to take a third of your beard hair and your hair, and you're going to cut it with a sword, and you're going to walk around. How do you even do that, by the way? I mean, like, you have to, like, tape it to your body, You know, like, does that make sense? Like, it's not like you can do this. Like, practically, that'd be weird. So, like, he's probably just like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he's hopping as he's doing this. And then. (laughs) Like Peter Pan cutting his hair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, 
uh, with the sword. <laughs> this is fire. He went from a prophet to a fairy. Okay, then you have a third. <laughs> then you have a third. Look at this one. To scatter a third to the wind. Now, Rich, this might be where he's like... Wait, well, hold on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is getting weird. You're making it weird. No, listen. No. You know why he's running like that? Because he's not laying on his side anymore. <laughs> He's happy. I didn't like this beard anyway. I didn't like his hair because it's super long. 390 days. Think about this, right? 390 days and then 40 days. He hasn't shaved or nothing. It's probably down to his knees. He's like, well, I needed a good... Burn it, cut it, and then scatter it. And then he said, I'm going to draw a sword to chase after the people. So I didn't do a really good job describing all of this stuff here. But here you have a third of it's going to, uh, you know, it's the siege brick, which symbolizes, this is kind of interesting, famine. And pestilence that's coming. Okay. And then here you have uh, scattering to the wind, obviously the slain, right? That we know that's going to be prophesied by the Babylonians. And then here you have the Jews being scattered uh, away, right, into exile, into to Babylon. So here you have the scattering that's taking place. And then... <laughs> Kevin, you still want to be this guy? This is great. Oh, I went with the I went with Isaiah. Look, this is the Bible here. Nobody can ever say that this thing's not not uh, not exciting. You have apparently not read Ezekiel five. He's got a third that he's burning, a third he's cutting, and a third that he's scattering. And now watch in verse four. He says, "Take uh, no, I'm sorry, verse three. But you are to take a few strands from the hair, oh, good, and secure them in the folds of your robe." You know what that means, right? Save some of your hair. Uh, this is kind of a crazy picture here, but and it, it just says um, to take a few. So this isn't a third. This is like I probably have three or four strands, right? And you're supposed to put them in your robe, and then this represents the remnant. It's kind of a cool picture here. Here you have this remnant, small portions, hide it in your garment. And it really is, Warren Wiersbe says it's so simple. It is literally God's special care for the remnant of people who would be spread, uh, who would be spared to return back to the land. It's really God keeping his promise. So you have a third, a third, a third, and then you have a few. And then he says in verse four, take some more of them, throw them into the fire, burn them in it, and a fire will spread from it to the whole house of Israel. Okay. So look, judgment is coming and people don't really take this thing seriously. In verse five, it says this, this is what the Lord says. I have set this Jerusalem in the center of the nations with countries all around her. I mean, that's so true. Is it not Jerusalem? Like is his city. We've already emphasized this over and over again. That's why he's lamenting. Jeremiah is lamenting because Jerusalem was, he is experiencing the destruction He says in verse six, but she, Jerusalem, right, has rebelled against my ordinances with more wickedness than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that surround her. For her people have rejected my ordinances and have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, in verse seven, here's your conclusion. Here's your application. This is what the Lord says, because you have been more insubordinate than the nations around you not walked in my statutes or kept my ordinances. You have not even kept the ordinances of the nations 
around you. In other words, you're supposed to be, I like what MacArthur says, you're supposed to be a witness to the heathen nations. The reality is, is that you've exceeded their idolatry and all of their practices. Like you've gotten worse than what I could even fathom. And here, listen to this. The nations, the nations, uh, maintained, uh, their idols while Israel defeated, uh, how how do I put this? The nations were constantly focusing on their idols while Israel was constantly uh, avoiding their living true God. So obvious that God's people were worse than the pagans. Therefore, in verse 8, it says, this is what the Lord God says. See, I'm against you, Jerusalem, and I will execute judgments within you in the sight of the nations. Isn't that really what the book of Lamentations is about? The book of Lamentations is about this right here. Like, it happened. It is happening. Jerusalem became like a sight to see, and what a reflection on the Lord. Verse 9, it says, Because of all of your detestable, uh, because of, verse 9, because all your detestable practices of all of your abominations, I will do to you what I've never done before, and what I will never do again. As a result, fathers will, listen to this, Fathers will eat their sons within Jerusalem. Sons will eat their fathers. And I'll execute judgments against you and scatter all your survivors to every direction of the wind. Kevin, when it's talking about eating their sons and eating their fathers, uh, you remember, have to remember that there was famine, plague, like killing. People were doing whatever they could to survive. This is not pretty. In verse 11, it says, Therefore... As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. I'm going to cut you off and show you no pity because you've defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable practices and abominations. Yes, I will not spare you. I don't want you to miss this. Because you defiled my sanctuary. The presence of God was defiled because you allowed the pagans, you allowed the visitors, the foreigners to come in and yes, what? not do what God required with the temple. To not do with what God's house was set up to do. And so because of that, he says, I will not spare you. Scripture says, therefore, as I live, is found 14 times in Ezekiel, you guys. And the greatest sin was defiling the sanctuary. That There's no other way around this. And this was truly, you guys, the place to uh, offer atoning uh, blood. And now they can no longer do it. Three times people began to leave Jerusalem. It wasn't really until the very end, the third time when the fall of Jerusalem took place was when the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. And we know eventually they come back, they rebuild it, but then eventually again, (laughs) it's destroyed again in 70 A.D. So, okay, here's what it looks like. Remember the third of setting it on fire, a third with the sword, and a third of scattering the wind. Now you see in verse 12... Ezekiel going to speak into his people that it came from the Lord. And here's what, here's what the, the whole hair thing means. One third of your people will die by plague and be consumed by famine within you. So hence, when it's set on fire, this is what's going to happen. It'll be because of famine and become a, a plague. One third will fall by the sword around you. In other words, even in around that people group, you're going to die from the actual sword. And then a third 
will scatter one, uh, I will scatter one third to every direction of the wind and I'll draw a sword to chase after them. So I'm going to scatter you. And oh, by the way, as I scatter you, you're going to be chasing and running from the sword. What a visual. So in verse 13, I mean, why is all this going to happen? The judgments are literally spelled out. He says, when my anger is spent and I've vented my wrath on them, I will be appeased. Then after I've spent my wrath on them, they will know that I, the Lord, have spoken in my jealousy. You've got to understand something. God is a jealous God. He doesn't want you or the Israelites spending time with false idols. He doesn't want you playing games with things that are not of the Lord. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and just wipe out all of the things that are literally, yes, taking away my focus, people's focus from, from me. I'll kill people, I'll kill idols, I'll wipe out all these situations so that you know who I am. And, and the way it's going to happen, the way that you're going to get a warning, as a watchman, as Ezekiel is going to take his beard, take his hair, after he's just been done laying down on his sides, and he is, yes, he's going to light a third of it on fire, he's going to cut it up on, uh, with a sword, a third of it, and then he's going to scatter a third of it. What an, what an incredible image. Okay, so would you rather do the wood, would you rather game? What would you rather experience, the third, the third, the third? Uh, I'd rather be the remnant. I want to be the hairs that are stuck back in the robe. I don't want to experience any of those things. And so the only way that that happens, in my opinion, based on this text, is obedience. Turning to the Lord in this process. He says in verse 14, it's kind of an interesting picture. Uh, verse 14 says, well, let me go there with the remnant though real quick. Because clearly he says that this, this is an option. Okay, The remnant is, uh, when you look in verse 12, Kevin... When you look in verse 12, when he says, um, okay, now look at this. <laughs> when he says, I will scatter one third to every direction of the wind, he does imply, though, Kevin, that they will survive. Yeah, they're just going to be on the run. Okay, so you have a few in the robe, and then you have a few that are on the run. Okay, this is what I'm talking about when I think about the remnant. Okay, the entire nation, this is kind of, I got to pull back here a little bit. Warren Wiersbe says it this way. The entire nation of Israel, okay, accepted God's covenant at Mount Sinai. Everybody accepted this in Exodus 20, 18 through 21. But then here's what happened. Even though they accepted it, most of them actually failed to obey the Lord and they died in the wilderness, right? They accepted the covenant, but then somehow they, they strayed away from it. Okay. Now the nation's entrance, okay, into the promised land. Yes. First generation, second generation. They actually embraced, they embraced what God told them to do. But then eventually people began to decline spiritually. Okay, so here you have this pattern. The covenant, they decline. They died in the wilderness. They go into the land. First two generations, they're okay. But after the third generation going in, they started to spiritually decline. So what you see is, is constantly there's an essential role for the remnant in every one of those situations. You needed the Joshua and Caleb's what? To go into the land. You needed the remnant within that land to keep holding on to so that the crown doesn't completely fall off. Okay, so this is the picture. Kevin, can you go to Isaiah 11, 11? Like, how important is the role of the remnant? I mean, uh, Isaiah 11, 11, it says, On that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover. He lists a group of, of folks. And then he says, the remnant of his people who survive. There's this thread, even if you go back to Isaiah 1, 9. There's this thread of, like, consistent, there will be few survivors. There will be a few left. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors... We'd be like Sodom. We would resemble Gomorrah. So in Isaiah and the prophet, he says, it's important that you see the remnant. Isaiah 37, verse 31. Isaiah 37, verse 31 has the same feel. And Ezekiel talks about this. But Isaiah 37, verse 31 says, the surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward 
downward and bear fruit upward. So Isaiah communicates this remnant. Joel, Joel 2, verse 32, a minor prophet that we haven't even got to uh, quite yet. So Joel says, then everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for there will be an escape for those on Mount Zion and Jerusalem. As the Lord promised, among the survivors, the Lord calls. So there's this remnant mentality that you see even in the book of Joel. Can you go to Micah? Can you go to Micah 2.12? Same thing. I want to emphasize the major and the minor prophets keep talking about, even though there's judgment, there will be a remnant. He says in Micah 2.12, I'll indeed gather all of you, Jacob. I will collect the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in the middle of its fold. It will be noisy with people. So here you have this... (laughs) shepherd mentality, correct, of gathering the remnant, taking care of them. Hey, I need you to put it in the fold, which takes you really to our word for all of Ezekiel. Can you go to Ezekiel 34, Kevin? Is that we have a phrase, new David, okay? This phrase is new David, but you can also look at it, and Tom Jankowski pointed this out, really even as a, as a shepherd. But he says, I will save my flock. They will no longer be prey for you. I will judge between one sheep and another. Verse 23, I will appoint over them a single shepherd, my servant David. He will shepherd them. Now, Kevin, in this language of Ezekiel, okay, we know that when he says my servant David, David, okay, he's already died. So he's not actually talking about David. He's talking about a new David, which is Christ. Christ will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. Verse 24, I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So when you think about the few, when you think about the remnant, you really should think about the new David who serves as a shepherd to gather the lost sheep, to gather the few and say, okay, I got to collect. I mean, this is that image over and over again. Isaiah talks about this. Joel talks about this. Micah talks about this. Can you go to Zephaniah? Zephaniah 2, 4 through 7. You have this new David, Jesus, fulfilling the role of the lineage of David. Okay, so now look at this. In Zephaniah 2, it's going to go 4 through 7. Gaza will be abandoned. Ashkelon will become a ruin. Ashdod will be driven out at noon. Ekron will be uprooted. Woe, inhabitants of the seacoast, nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you. Canaan, land of Philistines. I will destroy you until there was no one left. Verse 6. The seacoast will become pasture lands and will ca- with caves for shepherds and folds for sheep. And it says the coastland will belong to the remnant in the house of Judah. Look at this. They will find pasture there. So you should think of the remnant. You should think of the remnant as sheep. When you think of the, the remnant as sheep, look at this. Then it says they will find pasture there. They will lie down in the evening among the houses of Ashkelon for the Lord their God will return to them and restore their fortunes. So when you think about there's a new shepherd, okay, coming. When you think about there's a new David coming, it's Jesus Christ fulfilling the role that, yes, David had already talked about. And so what I love about is, yes, there's destruction that Ezekiel talks about, a third, a third, and a third. But even within that third, a third will be saved and it will be the remnant and the shepherd is going to gather his people. Why? Because there's still a future for all of Israel. Hence, you see new David and the fulfillment that he has. So when you look at this text, yeah, it, it's not very encouraging. But yet at the same time, you have to understand he's still going to save some of his people. Uh, Kevin, if we can keep going back, it says in Ezekiel 5, 14, I will make you a ruin and a disgrace among the nations. He's talking about Jerusalem in the sight of everybody who passes by. So you will be a disgrace and a taunt, a warning and a horror to the nations around you. when I execute judgments against you in anger, wrath and furious rebukes. I, the Lord, have spoken. He says, when I shoot deadly arrows of famine at them, 
arrows for destruction that I will send to destroy you, inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will intensify the famine against you and cut off your supply of bread, which all lines up with a third, a third, and a third. And then in verse 18, he says, I will send, uh, verse 17, I will send famine and dangerous animals against you. They will leave you childless, Jerusalem. Plague and bloodshed will sweep through you, and I will bring a sword against you. I, the Lord, have have spoken. It's a crazy picture. The only way out of this whole thing, okay, is one, is that you pray that God would spare you, that you would be a part of the remnant, and that you would be obedient to what he asks you to do. Ezekiel's role is to deliver the message. A third are going to die because of famine and pestilence. A third are going to die because of the sword. And a third are going to be scattered. And in that scattering, eventually the shepherd, the new David, Jesus himself, is going to gather them back to his fold. All right, guys, that's Ezekiel 4 and 5. Laying on their side and cutting off their beard and hair. Never a dull moment in the book of Ezekiel. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks. 